We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Filato, and that's just about all the energy I can muster talking about this New York Giants football team as they fall to three and seven after a thirty to ten primetime loss to the Buccaneers. Really could have been worse. They had seven points off a luck box interception that bounced off a receiver's Mike Evans' hands. Nothing really credit to the Giants, in my opinion, on that play. Set them up with a first and goal. They caught them off guard with one trick play pass to an offensive lineman. I mean, that's the extent of the offense for the Giants in the night where they entered this game coming off a bye week with a healthy Andrew Thomas, with a healthy Kenny Galladay, with a healthy Kadarius Toney, all expected to have used the bye week to get right all expected to have used the bye week to generate offense, to come up with some kind of way to attack a defense, a Buccaneers pass defense that led up big plays to Taylor Heineke. Taylor freaking Heineke, a Buccaneers pass defense that's beat up in the secondary. And I'm sorry to go on another Don LaGreca-esque rant because I know (laughs) some of you I've seen in the comments like, oh my God, Dan's ranting, I can't take it. What the hell do you want me to talk about? What do you want us to talk about at this point? This team is three and seven. They put up no fight in a primetime game against a banged up secondary and a team that lost the Washington football team two weeks ago. They had two weeks to prepare for this game. They've dumped tons of cap space into this team, tons of draft picks who are not producing at a high level or not playing like all pros. What can we do? How much positivity can we find from this? I'm struggling to find it. It's painful week after week, Nick. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to those of you who don't like the objective negativity. I call it objectiveness. I don't know what you consider it. And I know this is the very minority. So I, I'm, I apologize to the majority. You've all come out to me and said, stop apologizing to these people. Just forget about them. Let them go. Who cares about them? Like you're just speaking objective. And I, in my opinion, I am. And I know you are too, Nick, because we talk about this off pod. I know you're not 
was big on airing the grievances on the pod. And you're right. You said it before the pod, Nick. There's like no point to us bitching about this team. And I'm sorry. I'm done there. That's my two minutes and that'll be it. The rest will just be like talking about what we saw on the field because that's kind of it for that. But I needed to get it off my chest, man. And I, I needed to release it a little bit because it's just very frustrating covering a team the way we do, man. We watch pour hours into the film week after week after week, man. And we're doing it for everybody else. We want everybody to see what we see and to try to get a better feel for the why and how. But we just wish the why and how meant something, man. I mean, it's another meaningless season for this team. We were promised progress last year. That progress didn't carry over. You know, those wins, these wins that they might get down the stretch. I know I don't want to get into it now, but I mean, I'm just not going to buy progress from this team right now. They needed to be competitive in this game, and they simply weren't. Coming out of a bye week, too, man. Like, that's the most atrocious part. Tampa Bay, yes, they had two straight losses with a bye week in between. They faced Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. Guess what that offense did? And Taylor Heineke's not as bad as people say. I, I don't believe. I don't think he's, uh, you know, a superstar quarterback or anything like that. But I think he's a serviceable NFL quarterback. And he was able to lead multiple double-digit drives and keep the clock moving. And that was with Vita Vea out there. The Giants get no Vita Vea. They can't move the football. It's the same old script time and time again, inefficient offense, bogging down in the red zone. Their only touchdown, as you said, was scored off of an Adoree Jackson interception where the Giants hit Andrew Thomas for a touchdown, which was cool and everything, but there's nothing to be inspired about this New York Giants football team right now. You were expecting them to come out of the bye week with some pep in their step. I do think they were missing Logan Ryan on the defensive side of the football, but that is no excuse to play the way they ended up playing in this football game. It's just another year of disappointing football. And I feel like disappointing is a word that I overuse with this team, but tell me it's not just incredibly warranted, my friend. It's so warranted and this one more than others, because this was the one, man. This was the year where I finally had some hope. You finally had some hope. I predicted, I think, 11 wins. I think you were on board with 10 or 11. Um, there was no reason not to expect that. They upgraded the offensive line to some degree, or not the offensive line. I mean, we just expected the progression from Thomas to be an upgrade for the offensive line. And even if it was just as bad as it was last year with a little step forward from Thomas, that's fine when you expected what you would get from Kenny Galladay and from a player like Kadarius Toney. And, you know, all the rest of these weapons that they've accumulated through the years, Shepard, Barkley, Slayton, whoever it may be. And yet you have a game like this where it's just, oh, it's week 11 and they have no touchdown passes to Kadarius Tony or Kenny Galladay. And I'm sorry, man, because I agree. Taylor Heineke looks okay out there. Like he's kind of like a poor man's uh, Fitzpatrick type player out there. But you know what? That Washington line ain't that good. That Washington offensive line is not that good. I'm sorry. They have players banged up. They have problems at both tackle positions. So the excuse I keep hearing about the Giants offensive line making it impossible makes it harder for me to believe when Taylor Heineke moves the football against the Bucs. And when Trevor Simeon goes up and down the field two weeks, two games ago for the Saints, uh, Trevor Simeon's moving the football. And so now we have a game like this where the Giants have 81 passing yards at half. They don't move the ball at all in the passing game until garbage time where they complete some stupid little throws that mean nothing. They can't get Kenny Galladay involved some how they can't get Tony really involved until the end with dump offs. They can't do anything as far as the passing game goes. And I'm just sorry at this point, I've lost my, I've kind of gotten, I don't know how much I can just blame this all on the coaching anymore, man. I really, I've gotten past that point. Yes. The coaching is a huge problem for sure. But when Taylor Heineke with a pretty bad Washington offensive line, bad tackle spots is putting up offense and Trevor Simeon's putting up offense against this defense and the giants with two weeks to prepare, can't move the ball a lick. It's hard, man. It's hard to just say, you know what? 
fire Jason Garrett, run it back next year with the same crew, and we'll be good to go because it just doesn't feel that way right now as they drop the three and seven on the year with a hapless primetime showing. Daniel Jones now 0-8 in primetime Daniel Jones. He now has 49 uh, turnovers since entering the NFL in 2019. That leads all quarterbacks in the NFL. He leads quarterbacks in the NFL in turnovers since he entered the league. Uh, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I let's start with Jones. What did you see from Jones tonight? Wasn't good at all from Daniel Jones. And that's, you know, not a novel take by any stretch of the imagination. 23 of 38 for 167 yards, two interceptions and a touchdown. And we saw mistakes that we kind of saw earlier in Daniel Jones's career back in 2019, just recklessness with the football, kind of like what we saw last year when he faced Tampa Bay up at MetLife Stadium, the interception to the defensive lineman. It's just like, what are you doing? Him not tracking the underneath defender who was coming across the field who tipped the pass and then it ended up getting picked. These are the bad parts of Daniel Jones. And man, we make a lot of excuses for Daniel Jones as a, as a fan base. And I do believe a lot of those excuses carry weight as we went over with Mark Schofield. But can we honestly say, Dan, that we're comfortable with Daniel Jones if we want to make a realistic push for the Super Bowl, if everything around him isn't 100%. If everything around him is not 100%, I can't comfortably say that right now. And you, Could you say that right now, Nick? No, absolutely not. And I don't think there's anything to suggest that, that he's proven that. And I don't think that's necessarily a slight on Daniel Jones. I think that is Daniel Jones. That is who he is. He is a player in the perfect environment, i.e. Ryan Tannehill. He can possibly make some noise in terms of a playoff push if he progresses as we hope. That's a lot of ifs right there, Dan. <laughs> That's a lot of ifs, man. And I'm not writing him off the ship quite yet, but he does not have Justin Herbert-level talent. He does not have Josh Allen-level talent. And in order to win in this league, it's much easier to win if you have those types of players. And Daniel Jones will never be that type of player. Yeah, it's t it's a tough pill to swallow, especially because, you know, you look at a game like tonight, and we'll see it on the All-22. We'll really get a better feel for, like, is there anything he could have seen? There's the obvious one. He missed Kenny Galladay in the red zone for what should have been a touchdown. That's on Jones. That's something, as Mark Schofield said last week, you can't be making those mistakes as a third-year quarterback. That should hold a lot of weight for Giants fans. I know there's tons of excuses for what's going on with Jones this season, and I know he played really well through the first four weeks. We were the first to tell you we love what we saw from him through the first four weeks. Since then, it hasn't been pretty, and I get it. The offensive line's bad. We're going to see it on the tape. You guys saw it on the broadcast. We saw it on the broadcast. There were a lot of plays where he was getting pressured. I totally get that. But when you miss that read in the red zone to Galladay, and it's very consistent now with him in the red zone, he's missing a lot in the red zone. And simply put, he's not producing in the red zone. Even the ball that Payton said where he's like, oh, that throw was high. That that has to be made. Like, you just have to be hitting some kinds of throws in the red zone. Like, you have to make tight window throws, tough throws, where things are not exactly open, even though they were, and he missed Galladay on that one play you got to generate passing touchdowns and there can't just be you catch him off guard with one Andrew Thomas trick play because he can't lean back on that. And so there was that. I thought, honestly, the ball was not coming out of his hand good tonight for whatever reason. I don't know why. I still think he was late on the throw to, 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 to Kadarius Tony. Now, yes, who deserves the most blame for that throw? Because I know this tweet for some reason getting a lot of traction. I think Tony deserves most blame for not catching that ball tucking it and turning his shoulder toward the sideline so it couldn't get batted out. Number one blame on the play, Kadaris Tony. But if that throw is earlier, if he anticipates Tony coming out of that break, 
There's no worry there. Tony catches. He has time to secure. And there's not that split second. Also, he has a little bit more rip on that throw, a little bit more velocity. So that ball kind of floating out. Then I thought there were two outs. The, the Galladay out didn't get there at the end of the game that that well. It's just who he is. I mean, this guy doesn't have rip it arm talent. He doesn't have that much velo on his passes. This, like, this is not much of a debate here. This is just like what anybody who's objectively looking at the Giants from an outside perspective will tell you about his arm talent. That's fine. It's a capable arm. But... I thought tonight it was challenged. There were times where the Bucks just gave him not much but those outs. And I just don't know if he's generating those passes enough. It's a whole thing, man. I know the offensive line's so bad. I do want to see him with a good offensive line, man. But he didn't play well tonight. And that's on top of all that, it doesn't even talk about the inexcusable interception he threw to the lineman, which I don't know to the Bucks lineman, which I no idea what he was doing there other than just panicking. It looked like he was just panicking on that play. Obviously, and then the other one where Peyton Manning said on the on the on the Manning broadcast, he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, my brother and me were like, wow, he had no time there. He did have to bail the pocket quick. But I mean, as Manning said on the podcast, Peyton Manning, he said the linebacker read his eyes that entire way on that second interception. And it's true. The linebackers read his eyes. And that's been a problem for Jones this season. It's actually been a problem for him since he entered the NFL. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot building up there with Jones, man. It's not looking I'm not as thrilled on this on this prospect as I was, I guess, a little while ago. It felt like we were really moving in a very positive direction around week four, week five after that Saints game, and it was only going to go up from there. And like you've said before, Nick, I have to prepare myself for this reality that you've mentioned so many times. Progression is not always linear. It doesn't always shoot up. That graph, it doesn't only go up. And it feels right now like it's kind of starting to loop back down a little bit, unfortunately. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. The excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet and download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Unfortunately, that's correct. And yes, you're 100% accurate. And I'm still interested to see what the All-22 says. And we're still going to provide the analysis on the All-22, you know. I mean, both of us will probably throw up a couple times, I'm imagining, Dan. But in all honesty, man, it's it's sad. It's just a sad state of football in New York in general. New York is one of the best cities in the world, man. And the Jets are just the Jets. They're terrible. And the Giants (laughs) are supposed to be the renowned franchise of the city to represent the big apple and they have just fallen on their face for almost a decade now they've just been terrible i don't even know like you got to start at the top if you're going to point fingers you got to look at ownership and be like yo what's going on with this product right now because they are not putting a respectable product out there and the, the, the crappiest thing about it too man is the nfc is so just terrible that the fifth seed could be a team that hovers around 500. You could be looking at an eight and nine team or possibly a nine and eight team as that seventh wild card seed. And right now I think it's owned by the Minnesota Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, but with the giants, they could have at least even showed some pep in their step in this game. They could have lost, but at least some pep in their step. It would have gave us a little bit more to look forward to as they have two divisional bouts against the Eagles in the next five weeks. But now they play the Eagles next week and I have no no, uh, I want to say confidence in this team at, at all to compete against that team that's just running the football down people's throats. I think they have over 200 yards in like three of their last four games, but we're not even touching on that quite yet. It's just, I don't know, in general, man, I just look at the New York Giants right now and and I just shake my head. I just shake my head. You come out of a bye week like this, man, and just put this product out on the field for your fan base. And I get you're on the road. I get you're against Tom Brady. But so was Taylor Heineke last week. Yeah, he wasn't on the road, but still, he was able to pull off the upset. I'm just sick of making excuses for yeah. for this uh, for this team right now. They're just a bad football team. We've said that several times on this podcast. They're just a bad football team. They can show glimmers. They can show strides of success every now and again. But on a consistent level, they're bad. And the problems with their strides of success, to me at least, is, and you know I'm more of a big picture guy, it just doesn't come against the actual contenders. You don't have them actually beating a, a team like the Bucs. You, you have them beating a Raiders team on the clear-cut downhill. Like, the Raiders have looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL. You have them beating a Panthers team on the clear-cut downhill. They would look like the worst team in the NFL in those two weeks while the Giants got them. Like, you have these types of wins. And you don't have a combination of two things in the Joe Judge. And this Giants era of the last four years under Gettleman. One, you don't have ever, you don't have wins over Super Bowl teams. They beat Seattle last year. Guess what? Seattle was never a Super Bowl contender. Beat a Super Bowl contender. And that's when I start to believe there's actual progress being made. That's a big bar for me. Can you go toe to toe with the Super Bowl contender and beat them? And then the other thing is you don't have like in two years for judge, you haven't had one thing like Sirianni just had the past two weeks with the Eagles. And I don't even think Sirianni's that good of a coach, but clearly he's onto something and he's providing for them more than Joe judge is currently providing for the giants. Because what I'm talking about is if you don't have the wins over the contenders, at least give me the occasional blowout win where everything clicks, your offense clicks, your defense clicks, your specials click, you roll, you look like a team that 
wow, we put it all together. This is a team that can maybe shock a team, right? This is a team that can be a contender. The Eagles blew out teams in the past two weeks. When have the Giants blown out a single team under Joe Judge? Is there? Did they have any blowout wins in these last two years under Joe Judge? The answer is no. They have zero blowout wins under Joe Judge. They don't blow out teams, and they don't beat contenders. And that is a big problem for me when it comes to Judge and the long-term future and my hopes for him as a coach. I don't have many hopes for him. I'll be honest with you, Nick. I'm very close to the breaking point with this guy. I have, and I know we'll talk. One thing we'll talk about is his post, uh, his post-game presser because he did. Some people are saying he threw Jason Garrett under the bus. So I want to get to that. That's going to be a hot topic. But I do want to talk a little bit about just where this Giants offense, what they were able to do. So coming off the bye week, remember Nick, coming off the bye week, two weeks to prepare against a banged up secondary. They went 13 plays, 56 yards, and kicked the field goal to start the game. And as usual, really nice scripted drive by Jason Garrett, but every play they scripted is designed to get between 10 and 13 yards. And when you get into the red zone, there's no, there's, it's, oh, there's nothing we can do. Then it's three plays, eight yards, punt, two plays, five yards, touchdown. That's a defensive touchdown. I give almost zero credit to the offense. They barely deserve it. Nice trick play. That won't work any anymore. Four plays, 21 yards, punt. Three plays, 32 fumble, six plays, 50 yards downs, five plays, 21 interception, and then punt, punt, downs. That's the offense. Literally one drive of any significance in a whole game against the banged up defense, man. And so let's talk about one of their biggest uh, mishaps. The only other drive where they actually moved the ball, the six plays, 50 yards downs, the fourth and one play called by Garrett. Were you able to see the Manning cast when Peyton Manning literally called the exact play the Giants were going to do, roll out, and he kept ragging on the Giants and, and Garrett all night for rolling June Jones out and cutting out half the field. He's like, just drop back under center. Stop cutting half the field off with these design rollouts that really truncate the field and make it easier to defend. But he called that exact play, the fake to Barkley, the roll to the right, and to look to Barkley. And he's like, if he called, and Eli goes, if you called it, and Tampa Bay clearly knew it was coming, and they so they called it, how is it ever going to work? And obviously, it just didn't work for the Giants, and they turned it over fourth and one. And that was just really, just a, to me, just a really a good a good Giants in a nutshell moment right there for me. Good Giants in a nutshell moment. And yes, and we've seen that play on film. How many times, Dan? I'm on the all 22 on third and short situations where oh they do God. the whole play action rollout. And Devin white, you could see he was baiting it the entire time. They lined up with what, like 13 personnel all on the same side, just overload one side of the line of scrimmage and then fake the play action and roll them out in that direction. And then just have Evan Ingram and, you know, tight end number one and tight end number two, just kind of sit there and possibly catch a pass as everybody's kind of moving laterally through traffic. Just, you put that out on film so much, man. These these defensive coordinators watch film. They know your tendencies. They know what you're going to do. And it doesn't seem like the Giants ever, under the Jason Garrett, ever gas this stuff or ever run a fake off of this stuff. And it just is a very predictable offense. It's not a creative offense. It doesn't maximize yards after catch. And it doesn't really allow Daniel Jones, if we're going to speak in Daniel Jones' favor, it doesn't maximize his abilities either to be honest. And I feel like Jason, Jason Garrett this season has done a better job utilizing Daniel Jones's legs, but we didn't see it too often in this game. We saw it a little bit on that first drive and I was like, okay, here we go a little bit. Didn't see it all that often in this game. And you know what, man, it's just this whole Jason Garrett experiment over the last season and a half plus has just been abysmal. And it hasn't been, uh, you know, we, we've been, you know, knocking him throughout this podcast, basically since he got here and it hasn't progressed. And I get that he doesn't have the best offensive line, but there are a lot of teams out there that don't have that great of an offensive line. And, and it's just, uh, it's just ugly. I don't, I don't really know what else to say. 
And I don't know uh, exactly who can come in if Joe Judge is retained. If Joe Judge has a relationship with someone like Pep Hamilton, I'm not 100% certain on that. But something has to something has to give here, bro. This is just unacceptable at this point. And I and I and I know the Giants aren't going to want to do it, Nick. And we'll talk about this a lot in the off season. But I'm at the point where I, I I don't know if I want Joe Judge back here. I don't see anything he does well. And at this point, I think he holds the team back. And I need to be proven wrong. And I need to be proven otherwise. Give me a couple Sirianni. Give me multiple week blowouts, and then I'll be back. You know, I don't care if it's bad teams. The Eagles blow out two bad teams. Blow out some teams, okay? Show you can blow out a team, right? The Giants have been outscored 102 to 58 by teams with winning records this year. 102 to 58. So miss me with the, oh, my God, such a great win against the Raiders when they have a pick six and two turnovers and lockbox plays. Like, give me a break. Show some consistency. Beat up bad teams and actually compete against the really good teams. That's the sign of a good coach right there. It's a sign of an okay coach even. Just like not even a good coach, man. And I'm losing my patience with Judge, man. I'm losing my patience with all his BS, all the press conferences. But there is something he, there is something to talk about from today's presser, and that's that Joe Judge, for the first time this season, said, I'm not going to get into it right now when asked about if Jason Garrett is going to be the OC, and also said there's reasons the players could be frustrated right now when talking about the coaching. Now, Previous to now, Joe Judge has simply just deflected on questions about Jason Garrett. So my question to you would be this, Nick, based on what we're hearing from the pressers here, because he was also asked more specifically about like Kenny Galladay having his few targets. He said, we actually have, we've got to make sure we correct that. Like, and he's right. Like you sign Kenny Galladay. He has to, <laughs> there's no way in my mind, Nick, and we'll look at the tape, but there's no way in my mind that anyone could look me in the eye and tell me that there was no opportunity for the Giants to throw a 50-50 ball to Kenny Galladay at any point in this game in the intermediate range of the field. Like, zero opportunities that were literally, you're telling me there were no one-on-ones where he could just hit his back foot as a quarterback and get the ball out there and let him make a play on the ball. I mean, come on. You're paying this guy $72 million, and he's not even a big part of the game plan. It's freaking crazy stuff out there like it's wild for me to see the usage of Galladay in a game like this when they pay him that much it's week 11 he doesn't have a touchdown neither does Canaries Tony that's inexplicably bad but my question for you would be this Nick one do you think Jason Garrett will be the offensive coordinator next week and then two do you think that uh the Giants offense can take a big step forward just by simply moving on from the coordinator I don't know about a big step forward because the personnel isn't all that great, specifically on the offensive line right now. And as for Jason Garrett, I mean, we have seen Joe Judge so many times be like, yep, we're, you know, we're reevaluating everything, but Jason Garrett's our offensive coordinator. And it did seem like he was a little, uh, I don't want to say, maybe, maybe questionable is the right word after the game there. And this is an embarrassing loss in prime time, something that you know John Mara hates, something that you know this ownership hates. I don't have any uh, speculation, though, on if he's going to be fired. I'm really not sure. But what I will say is the Giants have someone in-house right now who knows the offense, who can also tweak the offense and make it a little bit like his own in Freddie Kitchens, who has been an offensive coordinator, who has been a head football coach before. And if we're going to be real here, this Jason Garrett thing is not working. It's not working. I'm not one to call for someone to get fired, but it's been a large enough sample size to realize that this offense is not good. It's not good. This isn't good for Daniel Jones. This isn't good for Saquon Barkley. This isn't good for Kenny Galladay that you just invested $72 million in. It's not good for Gadarius Tony, who did have 12 targets, which is one good thing here. A lot of them ended up coming in garbage time. So I don't know. I think something has to change if you're going to try to salvage this season, which is, I guess you could say still salvageable, but I don't have any 
hope for that to happen because they haven't inspired any hope for that to happen. It's just an abysmal season so far. Yeah, my takeaway from just watching this, and I'm sure you'll get a chance to watch after this, Nick, it does sound like they're going to actually move on from Garrett. It, it actually does sound like that. I can't believe I'm saying this because I really thought he was going to get a chance to just finish out the season because of the Mara factor. Um, yeah. I knew I knew him and Judge were never really on great terms, but because of the Mara factor. Um, but it does kind of sound, based on what Judge is saying, especially based on the fact that Judge has been really, you know, guarded in his media sessions. He basically gives nothing away at any time, which works when you're winning and doesn't work so well in my mind, at least when you're, when you're this kind of coach and you're just constant losing, but he wasn't as guarded about Garrett tonight. And I think they actually will move on from now. What kind of difference it can make? I think it can make a decent size difference, a decent size difference. I think that's fair to say we saw a better game called against the Browns last year was part of that because Joe judge, you know, knew without Bradbury he had to take some shots and they had to be more aggressive. Maybe I don't know. Part of it might've just been kitchens with a better play mix. This is still going to be Garrett's system, but maybe kitchens knows well enough not to call so many bread, you know, routes that break back towards the quarterback, not to call so many spacing concepts. I don't know. There's a there's definitely vertical plays in Garrett's playbook. It's supposed to be a Coriel offense after all, right? Like there's definitely yeah. ways to look back at what Jones did with Pat Shermer, some half field, high, low stuff. I don't know. There's, ways to generate some kind of offense remember this offensive line was not so good for the Giants in 2019 with Pat Shermer when Jones produced a little by the way though I do always want to bring back this I know a lot of people talk about that Pat Shermer season if you really look back on that Jones didn't really didn't have good EPA in that season didn't have good yards per attempt and they really didn't move the ball that well through the air they did score a lot of touchdowns from Jones he had a lot of passing touchdowns at least so at least there was that but I just think that season gets a little mis misremembered but moving on I do think it can improve a little bit but I'm not so sure it's going to be the be all end all, but you know, it's at least, at least it'll give us a peace of mind. I feel like, right. It'll at least it'll give us like, all right, we, we weren't crazy after all. Jason Garrett was holding back this offense, at least to some extent. You, you just have to do something as well as a head football yeah. coach. And just as the New York giants in general, you can't stay status quo at this point. Something needs to be spiced up. And again, not the, not the harp on this, but I do believe it's important. This is out of a bye week that this happened. Okay. This is out of the bye week. You had plenty of time to prepare and tweak your offense and get ready for Todd Bowles' defense. And they come out there and hardly score 10 points. If we're going to be honest, I don't like devaluing things that happen on the football field, but when you intercept the pass and bring it to the five yard line, and then you're able to punch it in with an Andrew Thomas touchdown. I, I, I don't look at that and be like, Oh yeah, you know, that's a well-earned touchdown drive right there. It's somewhat fluky. Obviously. Obviously, so something needs to be spiced up, and uh, you know, these next couple days, as as you said, they, they um could be very interesting. And I, I think I do agree, though. I I think things actually could be different and and solid with Freddie Kitchens, but I don't necessarily think that is going to translate into you know playoff bound football, even in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, listen, at this point, as far as the playoffs go, with the Giants at three and seven. Uh, I mean, there might be a way for them to bounce back into the hunt here with given how bad the NFC is. But honestly, Nick, at this point, this was the game for me. This was it. You got to show you can compete against Super Bowl contenders. I don't care if you can grind out wins, enough wins against bad teams to grind into a 17 and get your ass kicked in round one. That means nothing to me. I'm a big picture person. I want real progress. I want the type of stuff I'm talking about earlier. It's two things. You either blow out team bad teams or you beat the contenders occasionally. And they do none of that with this guy. They really do none of that so far with Judge. And it's tiring. It's exhausting, man. And uh, we're three and seven now again, just uh, this is like the, this is shockingly. I think it, <laughs> I forgot who sent us this. It might've been Kurt. Uh, apologize if it was somebody else. And 
kudos to you, Kurt, but like <laughs> this three and seven start, I think is the best they've been in the Dave Gettleman era through 10 games, dude. How crazy is that? It's pretty crazy. It's insane. And uh, it's insane that they've allowed it to me. It's an, I know we had differing opinions on what they should have done this off season. I was of the mindset that they had to fire jo- uh, Gettleman. I'm sorry. You were of the mindset that we, we should, we should not have to, I know you weren't, you weren't definitely not a fan of what he has done, but you weren't have to. But I mean, at this point, it's like, if you have four straight seasons and three and sevens, your best start through 10 games. I don't even think there needs to be a debate anymore on that front. Right. No, well, not at this point in terms of what he's done from a roster standpoint. I don't believe he should be retained, but I believe that's already been laid out essentially about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Sure. He wasn't going to be retained unless this was going, unless they made a miraculous comeback. Yeah, sure. And and just, I still think that, you know, unfortunately he's done some damage to this roster with the contracts he's, he's had this offseason. Let's hope they can get out of some of these faster. Let's hope, you know, guys like Shepard and Ryan can continue to play at a high level into their thirties because they've bet they've barreled into those contracts and they've backed into them to try to, you know, put together this really good team quote unquote for this year. And unfortunately it went to the side because this team isn't really good this year, um, despite all that they've put into it. And, we're at this point, man, and and I think at this point, you know, we talked about potentially Garrett moving on. Uh, maybe that can help boost the offense. Daniel Jones' performance tonight, the offensive line, obviously, we didn't get too much into. I thought, you know, Thomas looked good in his game back. Obviously, the rest of that unit remains a disaster for the most part. You know, Will Hernandez, to me, that's that's the saddest one, dude. That really is the saddest one because, you know what, Braden Smith was picked one pick after him, and I know. I get it. Listen, Hernandez had a good grade. We all liked Hernandez, but this is your job, man. You're Dave Gettleman. You said you're going to fix the offensive line. You took two massive swings, 34 and, and six, right? Or 34, uh, Thomas was four, 34 and four. The fourth one, that's looking good with Thomas. Your other massive swing, it's atrocious. When you take an interior offensive lineman at 34, he has to be Eric McCoy. He has to be Braden Smith. He has to work. Like you just can't have these misses at that spot and expect to have a good team. And so, Hernandez to me bothers me the most man of all these guys because if they had hit and he had become an all pro this team I feel like this team would have been in such a better spot over these last four years just with one more hit like the the, the problem with Gettleman is not that he drafts bust it's that he doesn't draft enough all pro difference makers to me that's always been the biggest problem with Gettleman he's had massive amounts of these top six picks and these top 40 picks and there's like one true difference maker out of them andrew thomas i i don't know if we could say anyone else that he has taken has been a true 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 difference maker would you argue anyone else so far i think Kadarius tony can definitely be but it's what is so far i'm saying like actually is so far yeah but i mean it's hard to write that one off because he's a rookie uh, I'm not I mean, writing think, him off at all. I'm just saying yeah. he hasn't been. So it's like, uh, it's a question mark. Same thing with like Jones could be at some point, right? He could eventually be a difference maker. We hope, you know, same we thing goes for like McKinney. Could. McKinney could eventually be a difference maker. Um, I think McKinney, I think McKinney can be, I think Saquon Barkley sure. fully healthy can be, but then you have to weigh in the whole dude. You selected a running back second overall. What the heck are you doing? And that kind of devalues any kind of huge difference making ability that he can produce on any given Sunday. But uh, so I don't even really want to weigh that one into the equation. Yeah, I mean, that that's a whole nother thing. We can talk about Parkley tonight. He did not look good to me at all. Um, I don't really think he's been a difference maker since his rookie season, but even then Sad. they were five one team. So it's hard to say hard to even make a case that he made much of a difference. Um in my mind at least when you win five games, I don't really care what your stats are. But 
as far as just like who's actually been difference makers so far, it's really just been Thomas. And that's the big, and I, when I say difference, I mean like these borderline all pro type performances at positions that make a difference in wins and losses. And I think that's really ultimately why this team is. So I mean, bad right now. if you're talking about all, if you're talking about all pro, then there's been no one. No one. Yeah. Okay. No I, I'm not that. saying Thomas is at yeah. that level, but Thomas is at least flashed level. Like close. I don't want to say all pro. It's hard to at least just like a, di- a big difference maker in wins and losses just because of how important left tackle is, right? Like we've yeah, seen yeah. the Giants without him these last two weeks and they're just completely incompetent. And to be fair, they were incompetent tonight with him, <laughs> but at least they've shown glimpses of being competent on offense with him, I guess, if that makes sense. Just like, you know, players that make a massive difference in wins and losses. And to give your team a chance to actually make a run, you know, and, and win 10 games, win 12 games, make a playoff run. They just, this roster right now just simply doesn't have enough of those guys. No, no, not at all. And oh my God, I'm just like thinking back on the New York Giants right now, just through the Joe Judge era. And it, it, we had so such high hopes heading into the season, right, man? There was so much money invested into Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson. So you have money invested in the offense, money invested in the defense. There was a lot of coaching hubris around the offensive line. And yeah, they dealt with some injuries, but it, it's just been an absolute disaster. And now we're what, 11 11 games in, we're, we're 10 games in right now, and they, they sit at three and seven. And as you said, bro, that's the best start we've had in how many years? Like, oh my God, that's like, that's New York Jets stuff, man. And I know I brought that up in the past, but this should not be the New York Giants franchise right now. It just shouldn't. They've unfortunately fallen to that Jets range. When, you're, when your best start in four years is three and seven, and again, remember, we can't really just complete, uh, equate them to other teams because other teams haven't had the set, the fourth, the sixth, and the second overall draft picks in three of the last four years. They just simply haven't had that in addition to all the firsts they've traded for in the early seconds. And so they've gotten to this level. There's a reason they're there. We don't need to go back into that. It's not important. I'm not trying to do that. We all just want them to be good. Like It's just it's really tough at this point to, to, to continue trudge on week after week. This team's really hard to watch. Like simply put, they're one of the worst teams to watch right now for you guys, for us, for, for people around the country who, who are watching the giants when they're on prime time now. Yeah. And so what I will say though, and I, I was thinking this and I was texting my buddies as I'm like, you know what, man, I'm glad everybody has to watch the New York giants. Cause Dan and I sit here and we watch so much film on this team and we get miserable about it. So, you know what, let's give all the primetime games of the giants. So all these national fans can just see the absolute disaster. This team has become. That's a very Larry David esque uh, thought, like thought process by you. And I love it. I love it. Very, thank you. Thank very you. Shot in Freud. Very shot as the Germans would say. Shot Freud. <laughs> Larry, I freaking love Larry David, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more stat here. Um, the Washington football team went 11 and 19 on third downs against the Bucks, and two of two on fourth downs. The Giants went one of nine on third down against the Bucks, and one of three on fourth down. And this is, by the way, a Giants offense that's designed to give themselves a better chance on third down by trying to move the stick, mm-hmm. get ahead of the sticks on first and second versus a Washington team with Scott Turner that's designed to score points because I don't care what anyone says. That's a good coordinator. You watch what they do. They don't have a good offensive line at all. It's not as bad as the Giants, but it's not good. They have Taylor Heineke at quarterback. They have one receiver of any worth in Terry McLaurin. They have no tight end and they have an injury, a running back playing through a shin injury. And yet they were able to generate offense against the Bucks. And that's kudos to them. That's kudos in my mind to Taylor Heineke as well. 
I'll be honest about the situation. The Giants were one of nine on third down. Just unbelievably bad performance by the Giants tonight. Anything else here besides we got to Garrett, we got to Jones, we got to the line. In defense, we didn't talk much about the defense. I mean, to me, this was just an example of why, well, you know, that Raiders game was a bit of fool's gold. You know what? That Panthers game, a bit of fool's gold. A bit of just playing against bad quarterbacks and bad offenses. I know they did a pretty good job against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs weren't really playing like the Chiefs. They're still not really playing like the Chiefs. They're only generating 19 points against the Cowboys. Um, to me, this is what's going to happen with this bend don't break defense when you face really good offenses. And they still forced a lot of field goals in this game. Like they, the Bucks really didn't cash in in the red zone a lot. But, you know, when you don't generate any offense, it was simply enough. Their goal line defense is pretty solid for the New York yes. Giants. And I do believe the loss of Logan Ryan it, it is a big deal because I believe he means a lot to the back end of that defense, especially with the trap coverages that Patrick Graham likes to run. And when you lose Logan Ryan, that forces Julian Love into a position that probably puts him in a little bit over his head. And uh, I think that affected them. But at the same time, this is Tom Brady clicking on all cylinders with amazing wide receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And they don't even have Antonio Brown, which is like, oh my God, they have that guy on this team too. That's that's freaking insane. Yeah. But in general, man, I mean, I don't believe this defense is the top 10 unit. You know, I like Patrick Graham, but there were some fundamental flaws with this defense. And that's not necessarily on Patrick Graham, but you saw missed tackles here. You saw sloppy defensive play. You saw just uh, the defense kind of, I would say, regress from, from everything we witnessed prior to or since the Carolina Panthers game. I don't think it's it, it looked as clean. You know, I mean, how many missed tackles did we see? We saw a decent amount in this game. I don't right. I don't have the number off the top of my head. And those little things need to be corrected as well. So, I mean, I wasn't re really necessarily impressed with the defense. They couldn't get any pressure whatsoever. And the middle of the field, similar to the beginning of the season, was open. You know, Tom Brady would just hit his back foot, you know, burp the baby like seven to eight times because he had all the time in the world and then fire a pass wide open to Rob Gronkowski or Chris Godwin, all, you know, in between the numbers, just wide open the zone coverage of the Giants just getting picked apart. And that's something that um, was an issue earlier in the season and it seemed to be an issue in this game as well. And this is the exact quote, Nick, from from Judge that kind of makes me feel like they're going to move on um, from, from Garrett. Really, as soon as this week, he said, we've got to do a better job of scoring points. I know it sounds pretty obvious, but I'm just going to keep it very blunt here. We've got to do a better job of putting our players in positions to make plays. We have too many good players. That sounds like a coach who's kind of fed up with, you know, having Galladay, having Tony, having Barkley and them get and getting zero production out of them, really. And he's right. I mean, like Joe Judge is 100 percent accurate with with that statement. This team has a lot of talent on it. I think a lot of people would look at this roster and be like, okay, we clean up the offensive line. You know, uh, Daniel Jones, is he the guy? We'll figure that out. But Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, when Sterling Shepard's healthy, Evan Ingram, that's a lot of talent right there. And this team scored 10 points against this Buccaneers defense. Like that, that's, that's unacceptable, man. It's just unacceptable. And we've said it so many times. It's an unimaginative offense. So something could be coming down the pipeline and that would give Freddie kitchens an opportunity to prove the fact that he could be the offensive coordinator. It would also possibly delay a firing of Joe judge. If this continues to spiral, because if you do fire Jason Garrett right now, and Freddie kitchens does kind of show the fact like, Hey, we can score some points and the giants end up kind of, you know, winning a couple games here and there down the stretch of this season. Then Joe judge more than likely retains his job. And the giants could be like, well, you know, they, they showed some promising signs down the stretch of the season. So let's retain everybody. Not that I, not that I think Joe judge would be fired right now. Again, I'm not off that bus quite yet, but it, it, it's not something that I feel nearly as confident 
in as I did earlier this season. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that'll be a whole nother that we'll see what happens with regards to how they finish this season out because you know we think we both felt like they'd be more competitive in this game for starters and that they were going to win a lot of these games down the stretch i'm not as confident anymore that they're going to win a lot of these games down the stretch so we'll see where that goes right now the giants hold the number five and the number seven overall picks in the 2022 nfl draft unfortunately for me that's starting to lose its zip and appeal. You know, we've had too many seasons where we're talking about what pick they hold in the draft and all the promise of these rookie guys. We need to start seeing it on the field. We need to start seeing tangible progress. Tangible progress is not maxing out at three and seven through 10 games in your fourth season in this regime, unfortunately. And that's the bottom line for me. Nick, anything else before we go on the state of the Giants right now or this game? It's not good. yeah unfortunately man but we'll be here thank you to everybody tuning in um you know i wish this could be more positive i want this to be more positive like my brother said to me today he's like you know your tweets are so negative but they're not really negative they're just like what else are you supposed to say like what could what positive could you possibly be talking about right now there was so little good to glean from this game and when there's good things we talk about them man and that's all we want to do we want to talk about good things we thought this team was going to be good we thought this was going to be a fun season for all of us we thought these are going to be fun all 22s we're going to have a great time on this podcast interacting with everybody and talking about a team that's made the step forward they needed to make but Unfortunately, that's just not where they're at. And like my brother said tonight, shout out Matt Schneider, who's made one guest appearance after the brutal Washington loss that really, I guess, set the tone for the season. He's like, they should just fire Gettleman now just because Giants fans want blood. They need a head to roll. They need something. Give us that blood. They're bloodthirsty. Give us something. And I don't hate that take. It doesn't really matter at this point. The trade deadline's passed. He can't, you know, he can't do too much more damage to this roster. But you know, give him something is what I said. Maybe that will be Garrett. Maybe that that'll be the decision to fire Garrett and uh, promote Freddie Kitchens. But we'll see what happens this week. Let's see, man. Because something. Uh... Something needs to change with this team, like like we said. It's just uh, it's not great right now. Yep, that'll be it. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who's left a review and rating on iTunes. That helps us grow the show. That helps us move up the algorithm. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram. You know where to find us. And hit us up on Instagram. I'm sorry, on Twitter as well. If you want to talk Giants, our DMs are always open. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.